What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Falato on Football here on Big Blue View Radio. I am the host of the show, Nicholas Falato, and today we're going to be going over the last week of what was going on in the NFL. And I got to tell you, it's going to drop on a Sunday, but man. This past Friday, March 26th, was really a doozy, really jumbled up the NFL draft order, and also Zach Wilson's pro day, which doesn't necessarily affect the New York Giants too much, but man, he looked really good slaying the football all over the yard and throwing from all different types of angles, looking like a supreme talent right in front of Joe Douglas and the New York Jets. But let's dive into these trades. It's very, very interesting to see Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, and the San Francisco 49ers target a specific quarterback and trade all the way up from pick 12 to pick 3 with the Miami Dolphins who drop all the way back. And we thought that was over. We think that's a big deal in its own right. And I feel like it is because they have Jimmy Garoppolo. Reportedly, they want to stick with Jimmy G through this season. But obviously, you don't trade up that far to not select your quarterback of the future. And the San Francisco 49ers gave up a decent amount to move up. They gave up that number 12 overall pick, third round pick in 2022, a first round pick in 2022, and then another first round pick in 2023. So Miami is just stockpiling at this point, right? They are just collecting assets so they can replenish a roster that's already solid, may not have the quarterback of the future, which is really problematic when you look at the fact that they selected Tua Tungavailoa in the top five last year, but that still remains to be seen. Then Miami shocks everybody. Less than an hour later, they trade back up into the top 10 with the Philadelphia Eagles, who are sitting there at six. They give up a 2022 first-round pick, and the number 123rd overall pick in this draft. And they also received the 156th pick in this draft. So the Eagles essentially get a free first-round pick out of this just to drop those six spots. And if they weren't targeting somebody at the quarterback position, which it seems like they actually were, according to a lot of reports, Howie Roseman was looking to trade up. But it looks like now their plan is they stockpile an extra pick, see how Jalen Hurts plays, and if it doesn't work out, next year you have more ammunition to trade up, say if you go 6-11 and 11, since it's going to be a 17-week season or something like that, and you're picking at pick 10, you have an extra first-round pick to trade up into the top one or two to select whoever the top quarterback is next year. So I love the trade from the Eagles' perspective, and now they're sitting behind the New York Giants, which is kind of nice for the New York Giants can't get scooped by that division rival although the Dallas Cowboys are sitting there at 10 so now you have the Cowboys the Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles from 10 to 12 just NFC East having a little party at that section of the draft but let's talk about this from a San Francisco 49ers standpoint you trade that draft haul it's not the biggest haul we've ever seen but it's a pretty massive trade haul to jump all the way up you have a quarterback in mind Kyle Shanahan has a player that he feels he can finally hitch his wagon to. The first quarterback that came to my mind 
was actually the one from North Dakota State, Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is a talented player. He didn't play in all that many games because he played the 2019 season, started, and then he played one game in 2020, which wasn't his best outing if you watched just that film. But in 2019, you could see the upside as a rusher. You can see the offense that he runs where he is basically tasked to set the protections at the line of scrimmage, which is a pretty big responsibility for a 19-year-old kid. And Trey Lance, I feel like he could be somebody who could mesh well with what Kyle Shanahan wanted to do on offense. Just run that system where you build it off the play action, you move the pocket a lot, If your first read isn't there, you can dump it off to the fullback, which is something that Kyle Shanahan loves to do in his system. And they're bringing back Kyle Juszczyk this year, so that works out. He also has a cannon of an arm. Accuracy is a little hit or miss from what I've seen, but he also has like Cam Newton type of upside as a rusher. Now, is that hyperbolic a little bit? Maybe, but his ability to run and how fast he is and how physical he is and how big he is, it's gigantic. And it's going to be used heavily in any offense, to be honest, with a good offensive coordinator. So that's the first quarterback that came to my mind, especially since this trade happened before the pro day for Justin Fields. Now, the Justin Fields pro day doesn't happen yet. It's going to happen in a couple days after this releases. But it hasn't happened yet. It just doesn't really jive with me that they would make this trade before that pro day. They already went to the other pro days for these top quarterbacks, including Mac Jones, but I don't really believe that's what they... San Francisco 49ers are going to do. I believe it would be Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, but it looks like Zach Wilson might be that number two pick to the New York Jets, which is interesting in its own right. And then you look at this from a Miami Dolphins perspective, right? Miami Dolphins drop back to 12, get more picks, and they trade back up to six. So who are they looking to target with that sixth overall pick? They have somebody in mind. They're looking to add to that offensive line where they just spent a first-round pick on Austin Jackson last year. They got the guy from Louisiana Lafayette that Robert Sale coached, Robert Hunt, to play the interior, played well. I believe they drafted him in the third round last year. Or do you look to add to the skill position players because Preston Williams can't stay healthy. Devontae Parker has been hit or miss through his career. He's shown significant strides, I think you can say. But they don't have that necessarily reliable burner. I like Jakeem Grant as a gadget type of player. Incredible speed and explosiveness there. But he's another player who's always dinged up. So do you look at someone like a Jalen Waddle there? To pair with Tua Tungavailoa, former teammate, obviously, at Alabama. You could say the same thing about Devonta Smith. Or do you bring in that X type of receiver, that big body receiver who can win contested catches, run routes well, is it a phenomenal athlete in his own right? Not the Jalen Waddle type, but still a phenomenal athlete in a Jamar Chase. Do you go in that direction? Do you look to add a Rashawn Slater to really bolster up your offensive line since you do have Eric Flowers starting at guard there? I think Miami, it's fascinating that they traded back up. And it's not going to be for a quarterback. You wouldn't imagine they would have never left three if they had a quarterback in mind. So I think that's a really interesting situation there for the Miami Dolphins and just for this draft in general. And the one thing I really wanted to take away from these trades, from these blockbuster trades going back and forth, is that... It's excellent. This is happening for the New York Giants. This is great for the New York Giants because this basically solidifies that at least two of the top three picks are going to be a quarterback. There's going to be at least three certain quarterbacks in the top 11. I would argue there's probably definitely going to be four because I don't believe Justin Fields gets past the Panthers or the Lions. So you're talking about four quarterbacks that are going to be gone 
before the New York Giants select at pick 11. And this is going to push the Brashawn Slaters possibly down the board. It's going to push the Micah Parsons down the board. It's going to push some of these high your profile type of guys, Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddle, who I don't think the Giants should fully rule out, albeit I do believe they should upgrade their offensive line and find ways to generate pressure. I don't want the Giants to be spending a the 11th pick on one of these edge rushers. I, I don't know if the value is at that position. I would love for them to trade down. Don't believe that's going to be Dave Gettleman's MO. It's never been his MO before. So I can see the New York Giants either staying put selecting BPA best player available now who will that be the quarterbacks are not something the Giants are going to target with Daniel Jones on their roster in this sort of quasi prove it type of year but these other players are going to be falling down the board a little bit more now because the Miami Dolphins and the San Francisco 49ers traded back up into this top 10 now the Miami Dolphins are probably going to select somebody we're going to want if we're going to be real but San Francisco that's going for a quarterback and we could have the top four picks go quarterback for the first time I believe ever with Trevor Lawrence probably going to Jacksonville Zach Wilson to the Jets maybe Trey Lance to San Francisco and then possibly Justin Fields returning to Georgia where he's from the state he was born in to play for the Atlanta Falcons, who are going to need a quarterback. They can't get away from Matt Ryan's contract right now. The cap hit is just too much. Matt Ryan will be starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons this next season. But Arthur Smith can get his guy, and he can get a good one in Justin Fields to help lead this franchise into the future because Matt Ryan's time there is coming to an end. Julio Jones is also making a ton of money. He's still an effective wide receiver, but he needs to stay healthy as well. Yeah, I think these trades, though, I think it's... uh. Interesting that Kyle Shanahan is going to find himself a rookie quarterback after a year being removed from the Super Bowl. I mean, good on that rookie quarterback to have that kind of coach and Kyle Shanahan and a team and the infrastructure on that team that just was coming off of the Super Bowl. Not this past year, obviously, but the year before. I mean, that's gigantic for whichever lucky quarterback of the four land there. Or do I say five with Mac Jones? I mean, I don't believe that's going to happen, but we all know Kyle Shanahan likes his Kirk Cousins and and quarterbacks like that, quarterback that can process really, really well, a quarterback that is accurate with the football, and a quarterback that can get the football out of his hands quickly, and that is Mac Jones, but I don't, I'm not buying that, I know Daniel Jeremiah floated that out there, I'm not going to bite, but I figured I'd bring his name up just in case, and who knows, if the Giants are lucky enough, some team will fall in love with Mac Jones, or maybe there doesn't have to even be a trade, like a New England trading from 15 up to the Lions or something like that, maybe, that doesn't even have to happen, and then the Lions or the Panthers fall in love with him, the Panthers coached him at the Senior Bowl, and then Mac Jones (laughs) ends up going before the Giants, and that's five quarterbacks, and then that would just leave six picks, up until the New York Giants, really five. We're going to talk about going before the New York Giants and look at the list. You got the Penne Sewells, the offensive tackle from Oregon, Jalen Waddle from Alabama, the wide receiver. You got Jamar Chase, the wide receiver from LSU. You got the corners, Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertain, Mark, Micah Parsons. You have the Equity Pays of the world, Rashawn Slater, the tackle from Northwestern, who's really, really interesting to me. There's a lot of good talent that's going to be available for the New York Giants at 11 if they stay put. So that's going to be a uh, a very interesting thing to kind of see develop. Hopefully five quarterbacks go before the New York Giants select. Alrighty, but before we get into some of the pro day performances over this past week, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is 
you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Alrighty, there's been a ton of pro days, and I'm not going to go over all of them, but I'm going to go over ones that should interest the New York Giants, and we're going to start with Penn State, to be honest, because Penn State has a linebacker right now. His name is Micah Parsons. He opted out of the 2020 season, but he's an absolute wrecking ball in terms of being a blitzer. He's very, very good in run support, huge tackle radius. I mean, he's six foot three, 243 pounds, just absolutely ridiculous, 31 and one-fourth inch arms, 11 inch hands, which is unreal he's a physical freak and he just ran a 439 at 246 pounds i'm sorry 246 pounds which is insane put up the bench 19 times posted a 34 inch vertical jump and had a 10-6 broad jump it's a phenomenal athlete and i just love the fact of picturing him in patrick graham's system as a blitzer we know patrick graham loves to use the nickel blitz he loves to use the weak side linebacker blitz we saw it a lot with tay crowder saw it some with david mayo we even saw it a little bit with blake martinez and thinking of michael parsons as a second level defender who can impact the pass rush as well let alone just be an excellent linebacker next to blake martinez against the run and in coverage that can take this defense to the next level. Look, the value for edge isn't necessarily there at 11. Could the Giants go with someone like Aziz Ojolari? Yes. Could they go with someone like Jalen Phillips, who is more of a 4-3 type of end, but is still a very talented player? Yes, that would be a stretch. I think even Aziz would be a stretch, and I do like Ojolari, but I still think it would be a stretch at 11. Micah Parsons is a complete type of linebacker, and nobody's going to know Micah Parsons better as terms of his character than some of these Giants coaches man Pat Flaherty was on the Penn State staff obviously Sean Spencer was a defensive line coach they know Micah Parsons character since his character is in question because of some hazing violations or purported hazing violations from his past I mean you're talking about a great athlete here who can affect all levels of the defense in terms of coverage getting after the passer and stopping the run and I know linebacker is a quote-unquote devalued position and I understand that but I'm in the business for the Giants of adding good football players and Michael Parsons is probably going to be the best player available and that's going to significantly upgrade that defense I mean I like Tay Crowder or Tay Crawford or whatever you want to call him I think he's a solid player but 
you can upgrade from that position. And bringing in Parsons, who was recruited to Penn State as an edge rusher, that could really help the ability to rush the passers. 11-inch hands is ridiculous. It really, really is. That's insane. That kind of grip strength there. His ability to stack and shed and play peekaboo around offensive linemen who try to get to him at the second level. Let alone he always puts himself in an advantageous position because he processes the game at a high rate too. Now, I would, I would love that addition. And that's kind of where I'm leaning. In that pro day, we saw Joe Judge and Patrick Graham both talking to him. He's in real consideration for the Giants at 11. He had 26 pressures, 5 sacks, according to Pro Football Focus, the last time we saw him, which was 2019, because he did opt out. He's 21 years old. He'll be 22 the start of the season. He had 77 tackles, had 4 PBUs. So Pro Football Focus numbers from 2019, and his numbers were the best in the nation. And he's incredibly accomplished. I would really love that. And then there's his teammate, Jason Owe. Now, we bring up Jason Owe. He's a six foot five, 257-pound edge rusher from Penn State. And he ran a 4-3-6-40 at his pro day. That's amazing when you think about it. He had 34 and a half-inch arms, looks the part. His vertical jumps in it, which really, his vertical jump and his broad jump, which really kind of shows off the lower body explosive ability and burst of a player, jumped 39 and a half inches in the vert. And 11 feet, 2 inches in the broad. That's insane type of numbers right there. That's a lot of explosive ability. So now you may be asking, why isn't anybody talking about Jason Owe at pick 11? There's reasons why. And it's because Jason Owe didn't have a sack in 2020. It's not because he didn't opt out. He just didn't get home. He had 20 pressures. 10 of them came against Indiana in the first game of the season for Penn State. But he disappears a lot. Doesn't show up on the tape all that often. He's a good run defender, uses his length very, very well, controls the point of attack, and set a firm edge. But he doesn't finish. He has seven sacks, according to Pro Football Focus, in 2019-2018 combined, and then none in 2020, and that really hurts him. You're still talking about probably a second-round prospect here, especially after he tested the way he did, he looked the way he did, and he measured the way he measured. NFL teams put a high precedent on those types of things. But the reason he's not being talked about at 11 is because he didn't have the production. You need to be able to get the production, obviously, in the NFL. And O is also not somebody who's going to be dropping into coverage and playing that boundary flat, which we know Patrick Graham likes to have in a lot of these defenders. But like I always say, Graham can always find a way to make I feel like someone fit into his system as long as they have the athletic ability and as long as they can play the run. I think those are huge parts of what Patrick Graham wants to do to keep the continuity of his defense intact. But still, that's huge for Jason Owa. I don't really know if the Giants would look in that direction, but that's still gigantic for him. But again, who knows him? Pat Flaherty, Sean Spencer, both Penn State coaches who have coached both of these players. So that has to be weighed in. Micah Parsons at 11, like I said, I think that's a, that's a real one right there to watch. Now, it's another player. It's been linked to the Giants a little bit in a lot of these mock drafts. I don't think the Giants are going to go in this direction, but he had his pro day this past week. It's an edge rusher, Quiddy Pay. Now, Quiddy Pay, 6'2", 261 pounds. He ran a 4'5", 240-yard dash. It's really freaking good for his size. Really, really good. Had a 35.5-inch vertical jump as well. And he had 36 reps on the bench. That's insane. The next closest Wolverine 
was Ben Mason, the fullback, who had 29. You're talking about an edge rusher here, and he looks the part as well. And I like Pay. Watched his film. think he's going to be a good football player, but I don't see an elite player there. I don't. And it really sucks because Pay kind of came up a little hobbled after one of his 40-yard dash tries. So he never got to do his 20-yard shuttle. He never got to do his three-cone or any of those ridiculous tests that he supposedly would just annihilate and be like the 99th percentile. So that's something that I feel like would have really kind of helped elevate him. I think a lot of people know that he would do really well in those. I think a tweet came up earlier in the offseason of him running a three-cone, and it wasn't official time, but the time was just insane. And Quidipay, I think he's going to be a first-round pick. I don't believe the Giants are going to look necessarily in that direction. But Kentley Platt, somebody who is now the analytics director for Pro Football Network, somebody I used to work with at Inside the Pylon, he collects basically the entire testing database for everybody from 1987 who goes through all these tests aggregates their scores and he finds what he calls RAS which is their relative athletic score and the stats that he calculated checked out to be that Quiddy Pay is 43rd out of 1,338 defensive ends that were tested since 1987 like I said he comes in 43rd in terms of his RAS score, which is based on a number from 1 to 10. 10 being the best, 1 being the worst. Pay had a 9.69 RAS. And when you look at his module, everything is basically green except for his height and his weight. A little bit underweight, undersized, because Pay did only come in at 6'2". A lot of the websites had him listed as 6'4". 6'2", that's not great really for an edge rusher so but athletically it's gigantic for him he has the burst the explosiveness and all of the underwear type of olympics that we talk about with a lot of these edge rushers one more name i wanted to go over is elijah vera tucker from usc they had their pro day earlier last week and i think he should be somebody that can be linked to the new york giants now, a lot of people think he'd be a much better in zone than power gap, and I can see what they're talking about. He has a natural feel in zone. He played a lot of zone at USC, but you can also see how he can pull into space, has great location ability, a lot of strength at the point of attack, can execute those down blocks really well on the play side, can bucket step and pull on the backside as a guard. And he played left tackle for the USC Trojans this past year. He's more of a guard, but he played left tackle. He didn't really miss a beat, bro. He was awesome. He's six foot four, 308 pounds. He ran a 5'10", 40, and then he jumped 32 inches in the vert, which is really freaking good. 36 reps of 225 on the bench, which is really freaking good. And the Giants need help on the interior offensive line. They could possibly use help at tackle. I don't believe they're going to look in that direction because you have Matt Parrott, who you spent the 99th pick in the 2020 draft on. You bring back Nate Solder who has started many games in the NFL, although he did not look like somebody who could bend the last time we saw him, but he was playing through an injury. I believe the Giants need to add talent still to this offensive line. It's not a sure product. We speak about the upside of Parrott. We talk about Will Hernandez and Shane Lemieux possibly being the starters here at guard. Hopefully it's not Zach Fulton, <laughs> to be honest, if, he, if he's still playing like his 2020 self. But I feel like the team... The New York Giants, they're a good football team right now on paper. They have a lot of interesting pieces. But 
we're all hoping that all of these assets on the offensive line reach what could be a solid player so the offensive line can be solid enough to allow Daniel Jones to find Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Kyle Rudolph, and Evan Ingram on these passes. And then they can open up holes for Saquon Barkley, a healthy Saquon Barkley. I mean, that's enticing enough as it is. But it's not a certainty that it's going to happen. I mean, Will Hernandez was benched last year for Shane Lemieux. Shane Lemieux had his struggles in pass protection. They were pretty bad. Andrew Thomas had a lot of bad tape early on, corrected himself, but he could have a sophomore slump. And then Matt Parrott, the last time we saw him, he basically helped give up three sacks consecutively to the Baltimore Ravens. Now, that they weren't all his fault, but they all came from the right side of the line of scrimmage. It's not great. And I'm all about competition. And I know Joe Judge and his coaching staff is all about finding players who are versatile and can play multiple positions. And that is Elijah Vera Tucker. A 32-inch vert, 36 reps on the bench is huge, but his tape also checks out as well. So I think that's a name to kind of throw in there. Now, he doesn't play all that long. His arms aren't overly long for a tackle, and that's why a lot of people are projecting him at guard. But he executes great angles. Yet, his arms are only slightly over 32 inches, which isn't great. He's very, very smooth with his kick steps, his kick slide, his vertical sets, his jump set. He frames his blocks really well. I think he's somebody to kind of pay attention to. He won the 2020 Morris Trophy, which is given to the Pac-12 best lineman, offensive or defensive. I just think it's another name that we should be considering just because, I mean, I'm not super comfortable with the offensive line right now. I know a lot of other people who follow the Giants aren't. I think that it's a wide array of outcomes. The Giants' offensive line, if they reach their peak, they're going to be able to open those holes. They're going to be able to pass protect. But that's if they reach their peak. I mean, Daniel Jones has been pressured so much these last two years. They may not reach their peak. Matt Parrott may struggle early on. May not be that strong at the point of attack. Use his hands that well. I never really loved his punch, to be honest. He's more about, I'm going to make contact and use my length, which I love the fact that you use your length, but he doesn't dictate with a strong pop in his hands. Will Hernandez, I don't know what to expect. Don't know who we're getting. I would take 2018 Will Hernandez. 2019 Will Hernandez was a letdown, and then 2020 Will Hernandez got benched. Now, COVID could have played a role in that. Yes. Then Shane Lemieux. I like him as a run blocker. I think he's good on those pulls. But man, he is a liability in pass protection when he gets hit quick with speed-to-power conversion. We saw that against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday Night Football with William Golston and Nadama Kansu. They both were able to just get interior pressure on Daniel Jones because Shane Lemieux could not hold up at the point of attack. And it was like that happened twice every game, it seemed like. He needs to get better at that. Hopefully he will. But I still think investing the top one or two pick in this offensive line, specifically the interior offensive line, is a smart course of action for Dave Gettleman and the New York Giants. Alrighty, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this. I am Nicholas Filato. This is Filato on Football. Please check out everything we're doing over there at BigBlueView.com. We have great writers over there writing about this team that you love, the New York Football Giants. Hope you guys are taking care of yourself. Be safe, be well, and we'll talk to you soon. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. 
Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.